This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is January 24th, and this is the Economy Guy coming your way. What another great week we had, and uh, the future is very interesting. Uh, I've been giving a lot of thought to uh, the content of the Economy Guy and what I've done in the past several months uh, with really the warning of what the great debt is causing and giving you a, a, some kind of flavor of what the debt is having. But I need to express my concern with the great, uh, with great passion, actually, of what's happening to the stock market, because I keep saying it is a bubble. I really believe it's a bubble. I believe we're getting close to the top of that market. Uh, I could be totally wrong, of course, but because I think of that, I'm going to rearrange the way I do the economy guy and do it a, a different way uh, from now on. So, uh, what I'm going to do now is give you the uh, the agenda, the introduction of what I'm what's coming. And uh, with the last item I'm going to have on there are the predictors. I've been sprinkling predictors, potential predictors, things that might predict the crash of the market coming. I'm going to summarize those at the end of every single economy guy in the future until this darn thing crashes or I give up. <laughs> One of those two things. Okay, the introduction. What's happening this week? I'm going to start with a uh, a summary of President Biden's agenda. What are the economic ramifications of what he's saying, what he's doing? He actually had a very busy first week. So he's done things. It They have ra economic ramifications. I'm going to talk about that and then talk about what could be coming in the future that he has promised he's going to do. Okay, uh, then I'll do a quick review of the markets, what happened last week in the markets. Uh, the third, that's the second item, the third item on the agenda is the stock market bubble. I want to give you a little bit of color into what is the stock market bubble, how big is that bubble. <laughs> Think of a balloon. Okay, number four item on the agenda is going to be Fed policymaking. How do they make their policies up? Not what really goes into it and give you a little different insight than they would answer that question, I believe. And the fifth agenda item uh, is my predictions, the predictors of a potential market crash. So with that, I uh, am going to go into a, in agenda item number one. So this is agenda item number one, and it is, what is President Biden doing with his agenda? What are the economic ramifications of his agenda? Well, we'll start with the big headline that came out as an 
on his first hour in uh, in the in the seat in the White House was he canceled the XL pipeline. Uh, that immediately had the ramification of uh, upsetting the Canadians and uh, losing 11,000 jobs, which really translates to about 60,000 jobs when you look on the knock-on effect. When a job is lost, all of the people that that job supports is lost. So about 60,000 jobs are lost because of it, and they're very good, high-paying jobs. That's the first thing. Um, the uh, It's been estimated by some experts that it looked at all of his uh, executive orders that he's put out, and it looks like about 4 million jobs will be lost uh, based on just those two days of executive orders that he signed. And that it'll take time for those 4 million jobs to be lost because uh, he's rolling back uh, uh, restrictions that the government will impose on companies, on banks, on energy, etc. And that will have a knock-on effect of people being laid off. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. He's, he's talked about uh, increasing minimum wage of $15. He may have a hard time getting that one through Congress. But if it happens, there will be a significant reduction in the workforce because of that, too. It, it always happens when you raise minimum wage. The Green New Deal may or may not get through Congress, but um, it uh, parts of it definitely will. And uh, what will that result in? Higher energy prices. Uh, when you go take your car to the pump, it's going to cost more. I think you're probably seeing, uh, what are you seeing, 10, 20 percent, 10 or 20 cents more. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Pete Buttigieg, who is going to be in charge of some of this stuff, has said, hey, uh, I'm going to raise the taxes on a gallon of gas. You know, when you buy gas, part of the money you're paying and so many cents per gallon is a tax to the federal government. He's going to raise that. So that would be an immediate increase in your cost. And he's thinking about uh, charging you uh, for the amount of miles you drive. That'll be an interesting uh, chaos. How the hell do you account for that? I don't know. Uh, do you put it on your tax return? Ah, weird. Huh? People have these ideas. Oh, well. Uh, he's uh, President Biden is uh, going to uh, roll back some of the tax hikes. He's promised it will not affect anyone under making under $400,000 a year. But if he just simply gets rid of the Trump tax reduction, everyone's taxes will go up. So wait and watch that one. That's kind of interesting. Uh, and... Um, Janet Yellen, who will be the Secretary of the Treasury, <clears throat> who was a, a previous Fed chairman, has said that uh, there are some things, uh, something, first of all, she said the president and she are concerned about the debt, okay? But uh, they have to do something big, underline the word big, and it, it reminds you that when someone gives you a sentence and it has a but in it, you can ignore all the words in front of the but. Just only listen to the words after the but. So going big means printing a lot more debt, which the Fed will monetize into real money. So that's coming. And uh, it's clearly supported by that administration. Well, that's it with... The first agenda item next I'll, will be uh, agenda item number two. I'm going to review the markets. And here we are with agenda item number two. Let's talk about the markets. What happened this last week? 
Well, first of all, stocks went sideways. Uh, that's normally the case. So not much to say there except stocks, and they're just high, high, high. We'll get to that later. Bonds went sideways also, which means they stayed at the elevated interest rates, meaning up well above 1%. I believe it ended, the 10-year ended the week at 1.09. Um, slightly down, but still uh, that bear breakout has, is well entrenched that we talked about last week. Uh, gold went up and down and all around. It ended the week uh, in the trading range, which is the range is 1850 to 1950. It's just a hair above 1850. It, it actually dipped below that, but ended up a little above that. That's that's the way it goes. So so be it for uh, gold. Hey, how about a little philosophy? Uh, for those of you who invest in gold, that the gold price leads the gold stock prices. How's that? I mean, that's nice to know, isn't it? When gold goes up, then a little bit later, those stock, gold stock prices go up. What are stock? Those are gold companies that deal in gold. They are gold mining companies typically, or etc. They have a lot to do with gold. They make their money from gold. So when the gold price goes up, they follow, follow along. And uh, there's two kinds of companies, for those of you who want to know. There are majors and minors. Majors are the big players in gold. They have the big mines. They, they pull a lot of gold out of the earth, or they process a lot of gold. Yeah, they, they are the big guys. Like Newmont Mining is a good example of that. And there's the miners. There's the little guys. They're highly speculative. Uh, they're betting that, uh, hey, the gold's in the ground there somewhere. I'm going to get it out. Uh, I'm going to just dig, dig, dig. Uh, those are miners. And, uh, they're, they're, and they also, uh, they are more speculative. They rise faster when gold price goes up, typically. Uh, interesting piece of information, right? Uh, higher... Uh, Okay, let's look at reality here. Higher, here's something that when you're doing, uh, when you're actually investing, and this is, I'm going to talk about stocks. Typically, people invest in stocks. So if you're looking at a stock cycle uh, from a bare bottom of a market to the top, a top of the market, you're, there is uh, pessimism and pandemonium at the bottom, and at the top there is euphoria. We are in the euphoria stage, I might add. So let's say you buy shares at the top and hold them for a long time. What would your return on investment be compared to the same stocks which you bought at the bottom and held for a long time? Well, your return would be much greater if you bought them at the bottom of a market than at the top of the market. It's a warning for people who think it's now's the time to buy. Uh, hey, yeah, you may get a return, but it's going to be less than if you waited for a bottom to happen. So it's your always your choice, but that's the way it is. Well, that's it about the markets today. Let's go on to item number three. I want to give you some color about the what's inside those markets. What what is what is it going on inside when we delve into the markets? This is the uh Item number three, our agenda item, let's look at the color of the stock market and uh, a little bit about the bond market, too. I consider them both to be in a bubble right now. Stocks first. Stocks first. Did you know in the S&P 500 that uh, six specific stocks 
uh, cause the uh, account for 14% of the 18% rise in the S&P 500 last year in 2020. Okay, the S&P rose 18%, but 14% of that 18% is due to just six stocks. The whole, the rest of them, 494 companies only accounted for the other four. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes, let's talk about one of those stocks. How about Tesla? Everyone loves Tesla. Who, who doesn't want an electric car? A really good, sexy, fast, beautiful electric car. I like Tesla. I think it's beautiful. Did you know <clears throat> in its evaluation, its, its valuation, it's worth about $600 billion. <laughs> that that is about the same that uh, is as uh, one and a quarter million dollars per car that it makes. That's what its valuation is. That's is that, that's nuts. I mean, that's really nuts. Especially when you compare it to General Motors, where the valuation is about $6,000 per car made. So 6000 versus one and a quarter million. So it, perhaps the price of the shares of Tesla are a little high. Uh, do you remember back in 1999, we had a tech bubble? Kaboom! One of the big tech stocks then was Microsoft. And when we had the tech crash, did you know that it took 14 years for Microsoft to get back to the same level of price that it was at the peak? 14 years after the crash. Something to remember, those of you who think that uh, recoveries can be fast. They can also be 14 years, which is not too fast. Okay, well, uh, wh where specifically, what stocks are the bubble in the stock market? Two things are, they are the tech stocks, for sure. That's all of the 14% of the 18, 14 of the 18, uh, is tech stocks are really in a bubble. And two, the passive equity indices. So indices like, you know, the S&P 500 index, that's just a passive index. A lot of people are buying that index, but it will get hurt and it is in a bubble itself. Okay, so, and uh, well, let's move on bonds. I think bonds are in a bubble. You know, why do I think bonds are in a bubble? Well, because their interest rates an all time low. Looks like the interest rate came up a little bit, but they're still way down there. I'm used to, the 10 year being four or 5% and it's just one. So that's not a great place to be. Uh, you see debt causes is really the cause of the bubble. And see, because debt provides liquidity, it provides money, right? You have debt, you have money, you can leverage. And leverage is dangerous. Leverage is very dangerous. It That leverage would causes massive disruption when uh, the crash does happen. So in the end, all of the problems we're seeing, the bubbles, the decimation, which will come later, is all caused by this debt that is hanging over us, and which everyone is truly ignoring, truly ignoring. So, so be it. Oh, well, that's it. I hope that gave you a little different flavor of how to look at the, the stock bubble itself. Now let's move on to uh, agenda item number four. I'm going to talk about the how the Fed thinks. How does it make its policy? On to agenda item number four. Let's talk about the Fed. Let's talk about Fed policy. When I think about Fed policy, and perhaps when you think about Fed policy, you think about a, 
a room full of very intelligent men and women sitting around a table, hashing out what's actually happening in the world and deciding very carefully what the Fed should be doing. Should we raise rates? Should we lower rates? Should we try to encourage inflation? Should we not? What should we do? Does that your imagination of Fed policy? Well, let me tell you the truth. Here's what happens. When the market changes, the Fed then goes into action. The Fed is the tail. The market is the dog. And uh, that has happened so many times that it can only be the truth. When the market moves, the Fed has to react to that move. So if you get that firmly in your mind, when you see a move in the market, you can pretty well predict what the Fed's going to do based on that. Now, the, what is Fed policy? Let's talk about policy. Fed wants some inflation. They want inflation. Be very careful what you wish for. And inflation will be coming. I mean, they're printing money like they've never printed before. That's a fact. That is a true statement. Like they've never printed before. The 60% uh, increase in the uh, M1 amount of money out there in the floating around. <laughs> oh boy, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, so here's the question for you. Can the Fed control the inflation rate when it does start coming up? I mean, it's very low right now. They would like it above 2%. They would they would love it to see it just pop up above 2%, maybe up to 3 and then come back to 2 slowly over a year or two period. They would love to see that happen. They would. Uh, but what if it goes to 3 and goes to 4 and, and then to 5? Uh, it's out of control at that point, and the Fed has to react because that's the market. That's that's the inflation market, <laughs> and the Fed reacts. How does the Fed react? How does the only tool that the Fed has for slowing inflation is raising interest rates? And let me tell you, hell breaks loose when rates are raised in this country. So the Fed should be truly concerned about wishing for higher inflation because it could create the decimation that they're so desperately trying to avoid. The Fed is currently just kicking the can down the road, the debt can, right? That's what Congress is spending all that money and uh, they give the problem, throw the problem over the fence to the Fed and the Fed takes it and kicks it as hard as possible down the road. Well, here's a thought. Say that we have inflation and the Fed has to raise rates. What do you think will happen to the housing market if mortgage rates go up? Yes, it will not be a pretty pretty picture. But that's somewhere in the future. Not That's not urgently now. The housing market is its own market. It's still a strong, good market. But uh, it's, driven, it's driven by interest rates, too. So watch interest rates. What's the conclusion I reach on about the Fed and all of this? It's that it's the debt that's going to stop the party. I mean, we're all having a big party. The world is having, all the markets are having a party out there. The Fed must be drinking champagne when they're sitting around that table. But the party stops when the debt goes kapoof. That's it for segment number four. On to my last segment, segment five. I'm going to talk about the predictors. What is, can possibly predict the oncoming stock market crash? 
This is segment five, and I'm going to talk about the predictors of the stock market crash. If you remember over the past many Economy Guy podcasts, I have uh, brought to you various experts' idea of what could be a, a precursor to the stock market crash. What I've done is I've listed them here. I have five of them I've listed, and I'm going to review them every week and the status of those predictors so that you don't have to look them all up. I'll just tell you what's going on. And, uh, and, and uh, you and I both can stay tuned to these uh, precursors to a potential stock market crash, which is it's more than possible that's going to come. So let's talk about it. I have five precursors here. The first one is the 10-year Treasury bond. Last week, I said that it has been declared by the experts that the 10-year Treasury market is now officially a bear market. It has turned from a bull market, means bull market means lower and lower interest rates. A bear market is higher and higher interest rates. And it's uh, last, last week, it turned. It uh, confirmed that turn this week. It's continued to be in that uh, bear market. It is a... Uh, Sort of a predictor, it's if it, if interest rates continue going up, stocks must crash. This is not going to say stocks will crash tomorrow, but it's got my attention. It's the bear. It's a bear market in yields. What's the second one? We had a specific one that said high yield bonds uh, are a definite predictor when the interest rate of high yield bonds goes up or the value of high yield bonds go down, which is they're in inverse correlation to one another, uh, that happens. And I watch a particular thing called the PIMCO High Yield Fund Institutional Class. <laughs> How's that for something? And it has a ticker symbol, which if you, you're interested in looking it up yourself, it's P-H-I-Y-X. And um, I noticed, I, I, I've been watching it for the last few weeks, and, and it's very slow moving. And its value of that, it's like a stock, it has a value. It was about 9.06, and it slowly crept up 9.07, 9.07. This is from week to week, 9.08. And to last, at the end, the week before last, it was 9, uh, oh, well, no, it went up during last week to 9.10. And then on Friday, it went from 9.010 to 9.07. Now, that's not a massive change, but it's the biggest change I've ever seen. And that is a decrease in value, which is an increase in yields. Okay, decrease in value. That got my attention. It, it is not a predictor. It is not a crashing predictor, but it did get my attention. So uh, I'll be watching this one a little more closely. Now, I, I believe that just was following what's going on in the 10-year bond, but... It's, a, it's of great interest because it's high yield. A third item that I watch is the uh, U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, if it falls significantly, it will definitely cause inflation and, and all the badness which will follow. I follow the euro, the pound, and the yen specifically, uh, and they're all going sideways, so nothing to re really report there. The third, fourth one I watch is the inflation rate, or the CPI. The CPI for December, it's, it's only announced every month. So it's a very slow-changing thing, only once a month. So December's was 0.4%. Remember, the Fed wants to be around 2 and going up to maybe 3. Okay. And the fifth item I watch is the 
any Fed policy change, because if Fed has a policy change, it can definitely change everything. And no, the Fed doesn't have a policy change. Well, that's it, folks, for that. I hope that's of interest to you. That's what I'm watching right now. I can, I will be adjusting that list with time as I get smarter and I read more important things. If you have any uh, things you want to add, please send me a note, tomharvey9526 at gmail.com. I look forward to uh, talking to you next week and uh, bringing more fun things to you. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.